line, it makes me so nervous. All right, here we go. Holy shit. Here we are back again. And honestly, after all the edits we had to do the last time, I was not sure if Adriana and I would kill each other before we got to this point. But I am very grateful for myself. And you and, wouldn't. And you guys, because honestly, not so much more information and shit to tell. Aw, and, and it really filled our hearts. So thank you guys all for listening, your comments and your questions and all of your things, because it really, um, it helps us keep going. I'm talking into the microphone, Rachel. Give me a server. Why? That was pretty. So on that note, the thanks, honestly, I think I cried more this week, like happy tears than I have in a long time just because of the support. Mm -hmm. Um, we watch like the downloads every single day and I literally texted Adriana and our wonderful, like we love him, our, our producer, Nick, every morning. I was like, guys, this is how many downloads and we are almost in the top 1% of podcasts because of how many people <laughs> like, What the fuck? What the actual <laughs> fuck? Are y'all crazy? <laughs> okay. I don't, I mean, I don't want to listen to us. I had to listen to us so many times. So this is Adriana and part of why I feel like I was a little bit, um, it seemed as though I was trying to keep back information about where I work and my, who my clients are. It's only because I'm trying to protect my office and the incredible people that I work with who are the some of the most intelligent and smartest and happiest and incredible attorneys that I know. And I don't say this because I'm just trying to. I don't say nice things about people unless I mean it. Um, but they are, and they work hard, and I just want to make sure that everything... My line of work stays okay with me sharing um, my thoughts and feelings and everything with you all. So that that is why I don't talk about where, what particular uh, place or entity that I work for and why I don't ever say any names and why I may not be able to tell a lot of my client stories. So on that note, kind of bring it back to like the thank you. Like you guys obviously put us where we are now, but at the same time, Nick obviously helped. <laughs> When we, edit a lot no, of when we record, we are so bluntly honest that Adriana and I had to literally listen to this a hundred times. I could have repeated the entire first episode, you guys. We have to edit that oh, stuff out. That's why I thought of that. Yeah, because I was so sick of listening to us because we had to edit it so many times. And I was like, thank you guys for listening because I was done. Yeah, we're done. So this is Rachel, if y'all cannot tell. This is not my normal. Probably not. It's not what you sound like. I know, but I kind of dig it. It's like that late night, mm. 2 a.m., sexy, like, calling to your... That means Rachel needs some celery juice and some water and probably a sauna and some meditation. Okay, so in Adriana's world, that's actually what I would need because I went on a girl's trip this weekend that filled my heart and soul, but I lost my voice in the process. Thursday night at 8 p.m., I got a text, and they were like, hey, do you want to come to Dallas? I was like, say less. I'm living my best life right now. So Adriana came over, helped me pack, helped me get my whole life together before my flight at literally like 7 a.m. And the, the the end result is this voice, and it was fabulous. I met some of the most amazing girls that I've been friends with on the, on, on the internet, on TikTok. <laughs> so I met up with, honestly, some of my favorite TikTok creators. That is that I, not the internet? I, the internet sounds worse. Like, no? I mean, I don't. I'm asking, I'm asking as, an, as an outside party. What sounds worse, internet friends or TikTok friends? Uh, internet friends sounds criminal. No. Like, oh, internet friends okay. sounds like criminal. Like I met them on the. No, she want to know what sounds internet. criminal. My new case. Okay, sorry. Well, <laughs> that got we, really depressing. We, yeah, <laughs> we, yeah. Bye. We're, we're, we're going. I I cried about that a lot recently. It's okay. I'm gonna be okay. 
But so if my voice does not always sound like this late night sexual talk show, but you guys are welcome. And thank you to my amazing friends I met. But Adrian and I were talking before today. That's actually a good example about why and how I deal with the stress of my job is yep. that I'm a work hard, play hard, party hard kind of person that I would rather be hungover as shit on Monday morning, have to appear in court and be the most amazing attorney I can be. And you would be. And I am. And I am. Except for this one time after a national trip from a bachelorette party, which we can talk about one time, but, um, and it wasn't even me. There's just a very large glass shard in my purse, which I don't know how I made their security. <laughs> Tell that story. I'm not on the, sorry. It's, this is Adriana. It's really hard for me to sit down. So even while we record the podcast, I'm literally walking around the studio and I apparently have to talk right into the microphone. Hi, go ahead. So I'm just going to tell this in like literally 30 seconds. Went to a bachelor Wait, party. This is a great, this is a great segue into today's topic. I am. We're talking about deficient attorney representation and Strickland v. Washington, which is, are you ready? Can I say my Citation 466, U.S. 668, United States Supreme Court, 1984. Go ahead, Rachel. Which is actually part my, of, my stats in the court training. Go ahead. That's part of my next um, aspect of my sleeve, so it's going to be awesome. I'm actually putting that citation in the tattoo because it's so significant. Weird, I did not know that. I didn't know. And I just read that. That's so weird. Yes. Okay. Um, so in 30 <laughs> seconds, the, if I had been doing anything significant as a lawyer the day after this happened... I would have been ineffective. So I went to Nashville on a bachelorette party probably five years ago. Long story short, somehow a table was broken in the process, a glass table, and a shard of glass ended up in my purse. I did not know it. I made it all the way through security. I got back to Florida. I went to court in the morning. I was going through security there, and a bailiff that I know was like, Rachel, come over here. He pulls out a seven-inch shard of glass in ice pick. Literally an ice pick. He was like, this is a felony. Um, this is a dangerous weapon. And ma'am, why in the actual fuck do you have this? Mind you, at this point in time, I was just going to court for like a little status hearing, which is basically like a calendar call. It's dumb. It just talks about like 100 cases. You're just trying to set your case for the next big thing. So it wasn't a big deal. But if it had been a big thing, my mental state would not have been appropriate or anywhere where it should be, which is what a lot of attorneys that I end up going against, that is why they end up being ineffective. They have too much going on, they're not doing it at the right times, and they end up fucking up their clients' oh, cases. Oh, well, weird. Self-care is important to be an effective attorney. We'll talk about that today. So, self-care, Adriana, how do you deal with your stress? Before we We've talk about already talked about it. Wait, but wait, your weekend? Yeah. My weekend. I went to Dallas this weekend with a bunch of girls. What did you do? I went to St. Augustine and found the Himalayan salt cave and meditated for an hour in a really incredible thing. And then we took my LED hoop down to the, what's the fort name? Anybody have that? Uh, whatever, the, whatever the historic fort is in St. Augustine. Um, went down there, vibe by the water. I just threw it in my mouth because... Woke up early on, on wait, yeah, Sunday, because we had to drive back because I helped Lauren. I feel like we talk about it now that she's going to be on here. Um, <laughs> uh, she, about, oh my God, about training and health. Yeah, she'll be perfect. So, um, went because she taught a intro to fire safety workshop at, um, my circus gym, Ariel Dragon Studios in Ybor City in Tampa. Uh, and we did about three hours of fire safety 
and fire performances and taught people who had never danced with fire before how to. It's really actually sweet. They loved it. I actually want to learn Some how to do that. Some people were terrified. Well, we'll teach you. But I, I feel like I might catch myself on fire. You, you won't because it's white gas. There's a reason we do. It, it's, you won't. Oh. You have safeties. You have, it, it's a whole thing. It's okay. a whole like. Okay. No. What'd you do I did that, and then I had about an hour to change and get ready for my friend's uh, burlesque show that was uh, free Britney. That I was supposed to go so, to. Yeah, actually. But I missed, my, to I missed my flight from Dallas, so fuck me. <laughs> and one of our close law school friends, she's a bad bitch. She's like, I just saw her, and I was like, her energy. One of my very close, one of my yoga, I would call her my teacher, Ashley. Hallie, you will meet her. She will not mind having her last name. Um, she, and she's going to train Rachel. Y'all, y'all just get ready for that. Um, Ashley is a force of nature and I think Shakti embodied. So she's like the goddess feminine energy. Um, Ashley saw, <laughs> I'm done. I'm gonna, I'm okay. So our point in talking about this, as you guys know, we deal with our work in such different ways. I don't know if there's anything that's right. I feel like maybe a little bit of both of our Ways of coping. 100%. Us together is like a fully functional adult. Right. So like, don't do what I do only. <laughs> don't do what Adri does only. Like, if you take both of us, if you're an attorney, that is how you should health, healthfully deal with your work, your work-life balance, self-care, also self-care. Yeah. And, and that brings us again. So our, our, what we're going to be talking about today is about being an effective attorney for your client. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Um, it matters in every type of law, at every stage of representation. Um, and really in order to be the best sense of self for anyone that we can be, right? So I had a teacher tell me one time, our cup empties. So either we refill it or we can give what we have left. Uh, so it's a little bit better to do the things that make us feel whole and happy and fulfilled in order to be the best, whatever type of work we are, right? This, this goes across all, all career types, all human types, whatever it is. So, go ahead. I love us. <laughs> I'm exhausted. You guys, we kind of like touched on it a little bit last episode, but Adriana and I, I guess I had a falling out and when I needed her most in my life, we didn't. literally- Rachel just, you disappeared. The universe told her to call me <laughs> and she calls, she texts me, she goes, are you okay? And I was I like, no, I said, no, I'm drunk at noon on a Sunday. I'm not okay. <laughs> so she was like, um, I knew it, come over. And that's when we decided mm -hmm. to do this. So just saying like our, us together, I hope is what you guys take away from this because it's just really important to take care of yourself first. And if you're not, if you are striving to be a lawyer, you are a lawyer, if you want to be the best lawyer and you want to be effective, you have got to love your life and love yourself first yes. and take care of yourself. Otherwise, you are only hurting your clients and the representation. And I promise you, if you're in Florida, I will fucking slay you in a courtroom because I'm going to say anything. <laughs> and law students, hey, talking to you, because we got a lot of requests to talking about how to survive law school, how to get into law school, all of that stuff. I'll tell you this. Law school is the best time you'll ever have. And you have the opportunity to learn what type of lawyer you are and what you need from yourself in order to one day graduate and do it for real. So use it. Use the fact that it's nobody's life and it's nobody's money and it doesn't matter to figure it all out because it's hard and it's heart-wrenching and it's a lot. Learn and we're going to do a whole yourself. episode on this. Yeah, we are. Learn how to figure oh, next. Next, next one. Next one. Next one. Law right. This is a deficient law school. Deficient attorneys. Next one, surviving law school. You're absolutely right. 
but you know, it all translates. So, um, on that then, note. yeah, on that note, right, right. We've already realized that Rachel has things that she says that are going to be like, what podcast euphemisms. I don't even know what the word of that would be. I'm not smart enough to understand what that is supposed to be. Sure. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, so, so we want to talk today a little bit about, um, ineffective counsel, which is literally what Adrian and I both do. Um, I'm going to let her get into like the super legal nerd aspect right now, which I'm, I, to be candid, I'm super fucking annoyed, but it is her, it is so her to want to be like this for you guys because it's just the real, and then I'm yep. going to break it down for you. So she's going to do the legal aspect. Or basically just and then like I'm break about it down. case law. If you guys don't know, so case law is literally things that the United States Supreme Court has decided. And other courts. And other courts, but this one is the U.S. Supreme Court. Adriana is going to break this case down for you, and then I'm going to tell you in layman's terms. Not really that, because we both realized, so I actually just, we were about to sit down, and I said, I want to read Strickland, I want to read Strickland, and Rachel's like, why are you talking about Strickland? It's just two things. It's not. I I, I haven't read it in years, and of course, I, I have read it, and I know it's two things. It's she cites it every day. <laughs> every day. We both do. It, it's the cornerstone of our practice. It, it made post-conviction appeals. It made our entire area of law, in fact. And it was written by Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, um, and I didn't realize that until I just looked at it. And her words are beautiful, and words matter, and court opinions can be pieces of art. They are. Um, so we're going to talk about that, and uh, we'll be back, because we should take a break. Yeah, we're here for a break. time. Yeah. Yep. See you guys. I was just going to leave. I was just going to leave. You might leave. Dude, what the fuck? Okay, so we're back. Um, honestly, actually, just, we were just telling the law school, like... If you guys can hear our off-recording our off recording stories, it's just so funny. Which we'll share them all eventually, but they're not subject-related to today, so we're going to keep them to ourselves. Um, so Adriana was just about to tell you guys about <laughs> the case Strickland versus Washington, which, again, I, th- I said it earlier, this is actually going to be part of my next um, sleeve adventure. Those of you that follow me on TikTok, you know that I have been going through, I say, not my midlife crisis, my uh, tri-life crisis, because I'm only 31. And it's not the midlife crisis, it's actually just change. You know, we realize what we actually want. And so I'm finishing my half sleeve, which I think is going to turn into a three-quarter sleeve, not a full sleeve, for those of you that are freaking the fuck out. But Strickland versus Washington, the citation, is actually going to be part of it. So, because it's a very, very, it's the biggest part of my job. So, Adriana is going to bless us with her nerdy, legal. Both of our jobs. Aspect of it. So, Strickland v. Washington is a United States Supreme Court case, like I said, that was authored by Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. And it set the standard for um, post-conviction appeals, basically. It it said uh, why and how an attorney is deficient. So, it's made up of two parts. Go ahead, Rachel. One of the two parts of Strickland. I feel like a law. I feel like a law teacher. Number one. That was super, that was a sensual moment. This is the Socratic method. This is my brain. This is like the most lay person. This is what I say at the end of every hearing that I have. This is why Rachel's an incredibly effective attorney and why I should really only talk to judges because I'm exhausting and she is able to explain very complicated things simply. And I overcomplicate simple things. We love so. her for it. That's why this works. So at the end of every hearing that I have where I have to prove that someone's ineffective, I literally tell the judge, 
So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be overly annoying. They already know the law, but I have to also, for the record, well, I just said it. You know, Strickland, like, let's all be catty. Well. I tell them, I said, as your honors know, we have to prove two things under Strickland versus Washington. First is that this attorney, and her name here, was deficient in some respect. Number two, that if they had acted differently, that the outcome of this case would have been different. So... I will let Adriana help me break down the difference of that. But basically, there are certain things that an attorney does that are unreasonable under the standard. And that's the first part. The second part is that you have to prove, if they went to trial, you have to actually prove that the outcome of the case, there is a reasonable probability that the case would have turned out differently. Basically, that your client would have been found not guilty. So in layman's terms, this is what I always say because it's actually very effective, there is a reasonable probability that a jury would have found reasonable doubt. And judges look at me like, like in awe, like it's that simple. That it is so simple. And it's actually not, a, it's actually not that hard of a burden to prove if you think about it like that. No, it's not. And that's why, so it's only one juror. It's only one juror, even, even in, so when, right, when you found guilty or innocent, let's, let's get it all the way down because we are, I, I know we're not just talking to law students here and attorneys. So when you have a trial, right? You have the state, you have the prosecutor, um, they work for the state government, they they are who the police report to. Um, <laughs> oh, you cracked it's your knuckles, si- that was a, funny. Side, that it's was the side digs for me. Sorry. Um, <laughs> it's the side digs. If you know, you know. Um, so that's, that's uh, it's their burden. So what a burden is, is that it's their responsibility to prove beyond a reasonable doubt, beyond any inclination that like mm, maybe something different may have happened maybe that wasn't true okay that's what beyond a reasonable doubt is so that is probably the highest standard as it should be why we have a constitution we live in a free country and we require that before we are able to take someone's life and liberty which is what we do when we incarcerate someone we have a very 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 high burden to prove it what's happened burden isn't so high. Not in reality. Why? Well, uh, there's a lot of state and police funding that I think a lot of defenses don't get, and not just Rachel. It's not just Rachel. I am rolling my eyes only because... I know. I'm, I'm, I've, 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 I've wandered down a rabbit hole. Okay. And everyone listening is laughing because this is going to be an every episode occurrence. And I will slowly start to draw her back in, but we're going to move back to the topic. I bet people will appreciate that explanation that I just gave. Okay. So what happens is that when the state proves that, the defense attorney's job is to poke holes in the state's case, period. It's to make it seem not believable. They don't have to put forth evidence. They don't have to have the defendant testify. The defense has no burden. Why? Because of the Constitution. Because of the Sixth Amendment, particularly. So when you have someone who's been sent to prison, who's been incarcerated, they needed to have a fair trial. How do you have a fair trial? You have a fair trial when you have a state government and the police and everything and and, and the judicial system and everything that exists over there. You have a defense lawyer and that defense lawyer has to put on all the evidence that they can find that they can reasonably investigate and they can figure out. I mm. know. Uh, no, we're gonna. No, what, what, what? Go. No, go. Jump in. No, defense lawyers don't think like that. That's actually the biggest problem. So defense lawyers look at it as it's not my burden. I only have to dis the state has to prove the case, and then I can argue against the evidence. But Adriana and I look at it from a different perspective. 
is that there's evidence to put on that they are lying and they are not being accurate and they are falsely accusing someone, then I'm sorry, under the Sixth Amendment, you have an you have an obligation, yes, a critical do. obligation to your client to prove that they're not guilty. Yes. Or to prove, no, no, not prove they're not guilty, but prove that there's, there is reasonable doubt and that the state's case is inaccurate and not believable. Believable. And listen. I have, I honestly when have I say, I when I say the defense has no burden, no, this is important to talk about. Um, when I say the defense has no burden, I mean constitutionally. I mean that it is the state that has to prove that crime happened. The defense doesn't have to prove that it didn't. What the defense has to do, like Rachel said, is poke holes in the state's case. How do you do that? Well, you investigate it too. And you find where those police reports are missing. You find when those witnesses have lied or they have motive or the state has maybe talked to them and they're leaving. Oh, oh, this is a fun one. I had a case in a witness who had so much hanging over her head. Violation of probation. She was getting evicted. They gave, always her, those. They gave her a down payment for an apartment. Um, her kids were at DCF. That, that stayed open. By the way, she received a lot of funding when she did have her children, so her, her income was cut significantly. But they held that all open until after she testified. That was almost eight months. Why? I mean, think about it. If you when were, it could be resolved. Think about it. If you were that person, this was you, like looking at it from your perspective as a normal human being, if you're going through those situations, you have an outstanding court case that could send you to prison, you have children, you have no money, and the state has provided you with an opportunity to actually help yourself. I'm not saying this happens every single time. No, and it doesn't. But it it's happens a, a lot. Yes, and and you know, here's what here's um, why I give this story as an example too is that you have that witness. Let's say we have this hypothetical example, and then you have that witness, and you have the defense attorney, and they stand up and they go, "Did the state offer you assistance for your testimony?" No. Was that the end of the story I just told? I don't think so. So why I give that as an example um, is because when that attorney asked a very basic question of, did you give assistance to the state? No, they actually had investigated and found out all that stuff about those violations of probation, about the children being missing from the household, which resulted in a loss of income, which resulted in an eviction. Well, um, so the police department in that case was able to do what, Adri? So the police department in that case was able to find someone who was incredibly vulnerable and wanted her kids and wanted a life and wanted stability and isn't a cruel, liar, evil person. Nobody is. But protected herself. And they exploited that. And they got her to testify. And all the defense attorney asked her is they gave her direct assistance. Well, no, they did not do that. They never said the words, if you do this. But you know what they did do? They let a lot hang over her head. Her or him. They let a lot hang over witnesses' heads. And they allow it to influence subtly because the government has power. The state has power. And so Rachel and I's jobs is to try to do the best we can to take the powerless and the voiceless and to give them some. And that's a defense lawyer's job. So that is that says several things. Number one, the attorney in that situation was ineffective for a couple things. Number one, failing to investigate the facts around these witnesses. It's also a mistake, though, for not providing that information, but that's okay. 
Um, yes. it's, actually, it's actually not love, okay, but we're going to talk about that later. Wait, you know what's fun? I just gave this. Rachel's never heard this. I've never talked to her about this. I just told the facts of a hypothetical situation, and Rachel is now... I'm a law school. It's a law school exam. I love it. This Number is so two, it's ineffective for feeling to adequately impeach or cross-examine yes. a state's key witness. Like, one, the actual fuck. If it's a credibility contest, it comes down to literally he said, she said... You have someone that's going to be one of the main contributors to your client's guilt. You have got to do everything you can. Oh, she was she was the witness, hypothetically. She or he, hypothetically, may have been the witness that was giving a confession from the defendant. So, so you have so you without have weak, that, here's, you have a weak case without, without that, don't you? You have a real weak case. Now we talk about prejudice. So, okay, let's get back to Strickland. That was deficiency. Why was that deficient? Because you could have done a lot of other things that no, were it's a little not, bit better. No, it's not even could. It's what would a reasonable attorney with those known circumstances and facts, what would they have done? And it comes back to this. If it's a case where it comes down to one witness and there's nothing else, your whole job is to literally attack that person. Not you're not you don't hate them, but for your client's benefit. But what would a reasonable attorney do in those circumstances? And then if they had done differently, what would the prejudice be? What do you think? Right. Well, and and on top of that. The way that that may or may not be found sometimes is that you see what the defense attorney does. You just you see what the defense attorney does, um, but because you get their file. So when when Rachel and I impose conviction, we actually have. Do you have a right to the trial attorney's files? Do you, or is it just us? Um, I mean, we request them as long as the client gives us consent. Then okay. And I'm not gonna lie. So any attorneys out there listening, I never tell you what I'm doing. I'm like, oh, I'm researching. They see my name, they're like, fuck you, Rachel. I know what you're doing. I know your, I know your reputation. I'm like, hey. Hey. I, she's going to get you. Um, if only though, if you can be got, if you didn't, if you didn't do anything right. wrong, then and it's, you're and fine. It's not, and it's nothing to, and it's not intentional. It's just that take the time, right? When you see something and you see somebody's children's are missing, what is the implication of that? What is the humanness of that moment? That matters. This is not just somebody that's going to court. This is someone's life. It's a lot more than just the person. It's their family, too. And you look at that a lot more. Well, and it's just, yeah, that's that's penalty phase. And we'll talk about that in a different episode. That's a whole second phase of the trial. That's its own thing. And it'll be fun. Because we'll, teach, still someone's we'll life. teach Rachel about death penalty. It's still someone's life, though. It's someone's mom. They've got Oh, kids. 100%. 100%. I think that what people don't realize about the justice system is you just look at the bad act. There's a human behind it. Most of them have family. If they don't, that's horrible, right? That's not good. If so no, nobody has someone that loves them, whoa, we should. So, anyway, let's... <laughs> we digress, as you... Again, we digress. We love people, Adriana. People only do harm and hurt other people because they're hurting and they're sad. And we so what is... To realize this. What's okay. the prejudice? What is... So in that well, circumstance... That, yes. Well, let me wrap up really quick is that you can find, so sometimes, for example, I was able to hypothetically investigate an entire case and that entire idea because the defense attorney started to do it. They did a, a really basic background search, but dive deep. Think about what motivates people. Think about how people take and how people operate. And if somebody has an opportunity to say something to save themselves, they will. And that matters because we don't want to put people who did not do something or maybe who didn't do something as badly as they're trying to tell the story that they did in prison for longer than they need to because that shouldn't be the purpose of punishment. And that anyway, okay. prejudice. No, that, that, that is the prejudice though, right? So that's the outcome, okay. right? Yes. That's the outcome of the prejudice. Rachel we, has brought us back. 
to where we, we need can't. To be. <laughs> we have to show a legal standard, but the reality is this, and I get on my pedestal and I'm in court. I'm like, listen. The reality is, if this judge, if this judge or this lawyer did this Two. differently, then my client would not be in prison serving life. So that's the actual outcome, the prejudice for them. Yes. But the prejudice that we have to prove is what? The prejudice we have to prove is that the outcome would have been different. Is that if, say, for example, the attorney had talked about all of the stuff I just did to you all and during cross-examination, which is um, when you have a witness that's your own, you put it up, you ask them open-ended questions, they talk. When you cross a witness, you ask them pointed questions. Basically, you're eliciting a yes or no response. You tell the story during cross. You isn't it in control. Isn't it true that you that, love yoga? Yes. That's a that's a leading question. Keep going. You could have done three would have been better. Isn't it true that you are obsessed with me? No. Isn't it true that you want to make me a better person? Yes. Isn't it true that you can save my life? Ah, now bring me back. I wandered. Bring me back. Control your witness. Isn't it true that you were brought here to only talk about a specific thing today and now you've wandered off course? No, ma'am. I always wander off course. I'm a Sagittarius. I wander around this planet. Hence why. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> why? Goodness, question. Goodness. Why do this podcast with her? But you guys love it, so here we are. Well, I she loves me too, and I love her back. So, um, the prejudice, the real prejudice, and what what we mean is that had the jury heard that, would somebody have thought maybe just maybe the state didn't prove this? Because now you're wondering. Now you're <gasps> one. Oh my god! This is why. Now you know why. This is why. The jury would be wondering. If the jury if the jury had heard something, if they had heard a story, if they had had another witness that could have been available because the defense counsel didn't try it, if they should have investigated better, if they could have questioned the witness better, if they should have argued a specific motion or said something differently during closing, right? This is all things lawyers do wrong. And it happens a lot. Everybody's deficient. No one's perfect. That's okay. People get so up in arms about it too. It's like, come at me, attack me. It's fine. If it'll help my client, do it. Okay? Prejudice. Had someone thought differently. We have to prove that. That is where we lose in post-conviction. The main place we lose every time. Although, so, I'm not going to tell the story. So, on this, on this note, we're going to take a quick break. Yes. There's a quick two-second break, and then we're going to come back. We're going to tell a couple examples. Rachel has to pee. Yes. Also, <laughs> maybe eventually we'll get a sponsor. We're not sure, but this could be a great place for that. But if we don't, I have to pee. Otherwise, when we get back, we're going to give a couple of examples and we're going to wrap it up because... Well, only really like sponsors that we can actually do in like, like life. I'm not going to... We're only going to talk about stuff. So, bye. We're back. Toxins from this weekend still, and Adriana is trying to make me do things I don't like. I don't like hot yoga. I, I okay. I only don't like hot yoga because we live in Florida, and there's something called Ayurveda, and you have a different but like there, there's three different okay. doshas. It's Kapha, Vada, and if I can do this quickly, Kapha, Vada, and Pitta. Okay. And it's it's air, fire, water. Is this we fucking descent or like yoga with Adri? No. no, it is literally the entire West or Indian system of health that keeps our bodies healthy instead of Western medicine's reaction to disease. Anyway, so what we were saying before is, um, thanks for for being here. Rachel needs to. Rachel, you're very Kapha. 
You're very pitta. That must and mean I think that I'm you need very, a little air. That must mean that I'm very against what you're saying. No, it means that you're incredibly grounded and driven and passionate, but kind of aggressive and sometimes stubborn. Fine, say less. That's Dude. what I said. <laughs> So but, what, you're, what you're saying is that should actually be like my photo in the dictionary, like when you look that up. Uh, but yeah, and I'm not an Ayurvedic practitioner, so there's a lot of people who know a lot more than I do. But but the reason I said, you know, you got to sweat this out. Well, that's actually not a pitta pacifying anyway. Anyway, so we were talking about shrimp. I thought you were done. Sorry. Yeah. The reason I said it is because Ayurveda is cool because we treat our body and our health. It's like a spiritual mind and body thing. We can do it with spices. Certain spices are cooling. They're heating herbs our spices, um, and, and activity. So like pitta hot, open up the freezer in the summer. And that's why I was saying I don't like hot yoga because in Florida, we're Floridians. In July, you don't need a heated room. To find heat, you can do it yourself. So anyway, that's why that I'm whole laughing. digression, we're back. No, I'm laughing <laughs> because when you said spices, all I could think of was like canine spice in prison. And I was like, Rachel, Cayenne. no. Canine? No, cane. What is that? No, oh, K2. Oh, K2. Wait, no. Fake weed? Yeah, fake weed. Yeah, let's talk about legal weed and the amount of people incarcerated for that, especially black individuals, because that's what we've done in this country, is that we've given drugs out and then we've criminalized them for it. Wait, we just talked about that. I said K9 instead of K2. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I must have law enforcement on the brain. Also, no, she has dogs on the brain, because we stopped at a dog bar before we came here. Rachel needs a dog. We did a shot. No, I have two. So that's that stubborn. That's that cop I was talking about. So that's okay. Examples. We'll do her chart on here one day. Examples. So um, I'm gonna give one. Prejudice. Adriana's gonna give one. No, I'm gonna give one. We're not doing examples. Prejudice. No, we're doing prejudice. Or no, we did prejudice. Nick. Jerry's different. No, this is good. This is fine. Examples. Rachel's going. So I'm gonna give one example. Then Adriana's gonna give one. Then I'm gonna give one. Then we're gonna be done. I'm not gonna give us. Oh yeah, I can. I can do a second DCA one. So okay, go ahead. The first example is someone that I've actually shared with you guys before in some of my videos, and Adrian is going to die because I don't think I've ever told her about him. I'm probably I'm not sharing names or counties because this is actually very. This can could be very. This could be several episodes. Can I guess at a county without saying where? Because you'll no. already know. No. Oh, really? No, but it has the same first letter. <laughs> oh. I have shared this case on several videos because when I found out the decision last year, I was extremely upset about it because I don't do a lot of. I don't, so on appeals, you can request oral arguments in state cases, but in post-conviction state cases, it's very rare to request that. You only request it when it is of absolute importance, and Adriana can attest to that because she has done, she, you guys said she's a clerk for the second DCA. I get all, yeah, I, you don't get as many oral arguments as I do. I get them every time because of the death sentence, like yeah. they always grant us one. I choose when it's the most, because it'll get overturned if they don't. <laughs> I absolutely have to pick and choose because then I only choose when I think that there's, number one, a chance I can win, and number two, when I want to shed light on a case that is so important. So this case, this young man was 20 years old. Can I can I give a quick aside here of something that I think matters, though? I, think I mean, we already know she will, so it doesn't matter anyway. I think that that's one of the things that is wrong with the system because I think that we're given the opportunity for oral arguments, and they should be at every single case. Why? Because some attorneys are more effective orally than they are written, and that's okay. Oh, that sounded kind of dirty. I'm not I lie. know that's why I laughed because I know you and I knew you were. I was like, like or they're effective, you're very effective oral arguments are oral arguments. Grow up in person. Three judges. <laughs> you're very. Effective you're in front of three judges. They get to ask you questions that are not answered by the briefs, and it's important because otherwise they My have three. Just made a funny joke. 
They have three documents in front of them. Otherwise, with an oral argument, they can actually look at you and ask you questions that they have about the documents. And sound like I'm... I, I can write well. I'm not really good at details. So, like, don't take my... Like, my brief may grow. My brief does grow. My brief, whatever I write to my oral argument has changed. Oh, same. Same. <laughs> um, and that's, that's just what time does. And that's where effectiveness comes in, is that you have to have time for your cases. So a lot of what we're going to tell about stories really fast, I'm going to say it with this caveat. When I say an attorney is ineffective, it doesn't mean they're bad or they're dumb or they're bad at their jobs. It's probably because they have far too many clients in far too many cases, either if they're private, or they suck. Because they're they want more money. Oh, that does happen too. That's, they're lazy that's, as fuck. That's, that's the rarity because they have private and I've taken too many cases because they care too much about money and you need to pull back. It doesn't matter. You can help your clients. That's what our job is. It's what we swear an oath to do. Or if you're a public defender, you're not being paid enough and you are having dumped on your cases or on your desk case after case after case. And you can't say no. Okay, so that's you, one of the two. So go ahead. That's really interesting, though. I will just say this, a little point. The majority of the cases that I actually am, I have good claims of ineffective counsel are private paid attorneys. Really? Public defenders care way more about their clients. They get such, I have. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like the effective. They, yes. They're yes. getting paid shit money like you are. I'm sorry to say it. Love you. Say it sort of. But it is true. And they get yeah. paid this money and they continue to do it because they are so passionate and they care. I know. I Private attorneys are guilty as fuck. They're, they're greedy as fuck. They, they take on too many clients. If, they have on, if, they, if a private lawyer has too many clients, they care more about the bottom dollar than they do about being able to effectively help every individual. And I will scream this from the rooftops and I will say it to a private criminal defense case. She said it's mine. I'm a private attorney. Um, well, but you, but you would take too many cases because you've never in a day I've known you. It is not about money. It is about you would want to help too many people at once. And That's why. I sent my client, I mean, if you're listening, this is not through legal means. I sent him a link to the podcast today because he was like, I am so interested. And then he sent me a message afterwards. He was like, I am crying. Aww. He was like, I just like love the, you know, the awareness. And it's a good example, but okay, examples. And honestly, too, really fast, because I know we didn't decide on this already about the beginning of the podcast, but like I, I've heard from so many of you that are like corrections officers, mental health professionals, and nurses, and students, and people who aren't in our world who care about this and who know that what we're talking about here, right, and these individuals and this empathy and what's wrong with the system, it, 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 it impacts all of us. We all know it. So it's super cool. Anyway, Rachel, your story. Go. Okay. First story. We might only have time for two. One of mine, one of Adri's. Yeah. So my client was 20 years old. Long story short, he was... The story of the case is this. A drug deal went bad. A group of kids went to their... Someone that they knew sold drugs. They told me meet them at a residence. It was five people in this vehicle. Four males, one female. The drug deal was about to happen. Some altercation occurred. Like Basically, they're like, where's the money? The drug dealer ran off. Somebody from the vehicle chased after him, and a shootout happened in the yard. So they were parked in the street outside of a residence. A shootout happened in the yard, and the female in the backseat ended up getting shot and killed. And they did not even know that it happened until they drove away because it, like, went in through, like, this. Anyway, long story short, she unfortunately passed away. They drove immediately to the hospital. Oh, my God. And it was... 
The problem with this case is that everybody in that vehicle was on some sort of drugs. And the, the drugs have to deal with a lot of our cases, whether it's them buying them, they're on them, it's a motivation, hey, stealing them. Do you know why people do drugs? Because of addiction. Addiction is our inability to be able to feel our emotions, and it's a disease, and it's something that needs to be treated, not punished. I'm screaming right now because I want to kill her. It's true. And you agree. So sh I do agree. She only wants to kill me because I've interrupted her. <laughs> no, I, I do agree. I do agree. Yeah. So keep going. And that's, but that's why this point. case that's why this case is actually super messed up because so they go to the hospital and only two of the people that were involved stuck around. So the driver and his father left. Yeah. The other two people in the backseat who were friends with the girl stayed. And their original statements to law enforcement identified one person as who they believed the drug dealer was. They didn't know his full name. They knew him as an alias. They had communicated with him before. Long story short, they developed a suspect. Um, it was eventually another suspect was identified as my client. A couple weeks later, because they were never able to get into contact with him, they actually had a conversation with him and he advised law enforcement that he was at a nightclub. Immediately they said, well, we'll look into it. And they said they could not confirm or deny his alibi, so they arrested him. Because of this one, the one person who originally said that it was Subject A had changed his story and said that it was Subject B, which is my client. So long story short, from day one, he says that he's at this nightclub. It's all good. Years later, he, gets, he goes to trial. He's found guilty. He gets life sentence. 20 years old. He files a motion saying his attorney was ineffective for not getting the surveillance video footage. He goes to a hearing where his post-conviction attorney, who was not me, realizes for the first time that there was never surveillance video footage that had ever been obtained or looked at by law enforcement. And so I'm going to digress for one second because this is be a whole other episode, but I'm going to say, all I'll say is this. At this trial, a very main part of this trial became the fact that law enforcement had gone to this nightclub, they had looked at the surveillance video, and they could not confirm or deny that he was there. They actually even, I, they, they compared it to be saying that you were at Disney World, a place where nobody could say that you were actually there. And without saying that you're a fucking liar, you're a fucking liar. So it turned into a whole other issue, but long story short, my client, the only evidence convicting him was this, again, kind of going back to Adriana's story about a witness who had a lot to gain. He was high on drugs. He had another felony outstanding. He had all these things going on and it came down to who does the jury believe? this one witness and the lack of evidence and it, they end up convicting him. By the way, the jury always believes cops. They always believe doctors and it doesn't matter what they're saying or what the evidence shows. If those two entities say it, it's true. And I don't, I'm not bashing cops when I say it. I'm not bashing the state when I say it. I'm just saying that that's how jurors mind works. There are studies done on it. It's fine. Go ahead, Rachel. So that, that's just a good example of, um, A defense attorney has to investigate circumstances. People ask me all the time on my TikToks, like, what is an example of an ineffective attorney? That's one of your main duties is to investigate the circumstances and the facts surrounding the case. And that is one of the most obvious things that should have been looked into literally from day one. And it never even existed. And this poor kid. Now, I'm, I am going to the federal courts with this, so I will keep you guys updated. Um, but on that note, I will let Adriana get her example because... No, wrap up. We yeah. just have 10 minutes left. No, sorry. You're going to do yours? Sorry. No, I'm 
know, and I, I mean, we, keep, we, keep, we keep losing. So I even did an oral argument during COVID. And I thought afterwards, I said, I swear to God, if I do not win, I will quit. And then we lost with no opinion and nothing, no explanation. And it's just, it is insane because the, the burden after the fact, because there's not a video now. No, so they can't prove it. Yeah. I no, can't, I can't prove the case. That's and it's not why, his fault though, but it's not his fault. And that's why, that's why our line of work is so hard. Oh, sorry. I'm touching the microphone again. Well, I need to lift it. It's okay. That's why our line of work is so hard because we have to prove different burdens. Every time we file an appeal and we get to a different court, it's a different thing that we're asking them to look at. So we're having to reframe the argument every time. And it gets harder and harder and harder and harder because the further up you get in the process, the less likely it is that you're gonna be able to actually just talk about what we're talking about. That's why you hear these horrible stories and you have all these shows. What was that famous one, that podcast, that thing? Oh, Serial. Serial. Oh, and Serial. Making a yeah. murder Serial. Both of them, right? Like, that's what we're doing here. And so it... Which it, we might talk about our opinions on this, because yeah, you guys love I'll, that series. I'll do this. I I really can't... I, I can give a quick example from a second DCA, but I'll do this instead of giving... Oh, it's shutting down. So it's... <laughs> of course it is. That means we're ending. But this is why. I'm going to leave with this. I just read that opinion. I, I said I was just rereading Strickland, and I just read a sentence again as I was about to preparing to talk to y'all, and that's what I'm going to end on. And it says that if it's easier to dismiss a claim of ineffectiveness because of prejudice, we should. And so what is happening here, what Rachel's is talking about, is that if what the person did is so bad and it's so factually horrifying, that it's going to be easier for the state to just be able to say whatever it is and to not... Hmm? Oh, I'm touching it's easier for the state to be able to just say that they did what they did and it really doesn't matter what the defense attorney does because I think I said it episode one right what my client did is so bad what Rachel's client did there they think it justifies it okay so that's what prejudice is is that the state just basically reaffirms the facts of whatever the crime was I was gonna say the murder that's just me so whatever whatever the crime was and that's what they say in response to our argument. And you lose a lot on that. But I think that the prejudice, and this is the point about the sentence from the case, I'll actually, I'll actually touch it, um, is that Sandra Day O'Connor wrote that it would be easier to dismiss it because of it. And that's what courts do, and I don't think that they should. Because to have a working justice system, we have to acknowledge when we've made mistakes. We have to do that as humans, right? It's okay to do wrong. We just admit it to ourselves first. No one does. Uh, but no one up. does. I Which to. we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna do a whole episode on that. Acknowledging behavior, I, like that's that's self accountability, right? That's where we all come down to. And but lawyers so, are afraid that they'll get in trouble and that their reputations will be tarnished. But that's because we created that culture. Oh, I know. So I will I will gladly follow my sword. If I knew a client of mine could get another chance, I would in a millisecond say that I could have been detected, and then they would get relief. That's because you